Hello and welcome to another edition of the China in Africa podcast. I'm Eric Olander, and as always, I'm joined by Kobus van Staden of Witt University in Johannesburg. A very good afternoon to you, Kobus. Good afternoon, and uh, good afternoon to Abigail Vassilier, who we go back to uh, in Paris. We've uh, Abigail has been joining us all week, talking about North Africa and particularly French Africa uh, and the relationship with the Chinese. Uh, a very good afternoon to you, Abigail. Bonjour. And Abigail, just to bring you up to speed, if you haven't been listening to our shows this week, uh, she recently completed a master's uh, in Asian politics at the School of Oriental and African Studies in London, where she talked about and did her master's thesis on uh, China-Tunisian relations, and also is a graduate of Sciences Po Aix-en-Provence, and now is a consultant to the European Council on Foreign Relations. Today, we're going to talk about one of my favorite subjects, and it's a topic that I've been wanting to do for a very long time, Cobus, ever since we started the podcast, uh, in part because my background in France, I've spent many years there. I was the editor-in-chief of uh, France 24's uh, digital group, so I was in the newsrooms and working in this culture with the French. And it's been one of the things, Cobus, that has amazed me, how there is truly this double standard. And again, I don't say this to defend the Chinese. I say it more to criticize Europeans, French in particular, about when we talk about Chinese colonialism in Africa, when in fact you look at France and they've created a very complex system over the centuries that today is still uh, very much in force. And we're going to talk about this concept of China and France-Afrique. And France-Afrique is, uh, is, is this whole kind of political, economic, cultural umbrella that sits over uh, France's fr former French colonies. Abigail, before we get too deep in the woods here, kind of give us a very broad overview of what the concept of France-Afrique uh, is and when it started and why it's important. Okay, I think uh, to everyone who is listening to us, um, everyone should be careful about the fact that I'm also French. So basically, my description of France Afrique <laughs> is uh, is affected by the fact that I'm French. But I'm gonna. Don't worry, I'll, to I'll try and keep you honest. So you go ahead, and, <laughs> and I'll try and keep you honest. Okay, thanks. <laughs> Okay, so France-Afrique is like um, a special relation that France created after the decolonization with her past uh, colonies. Uh, France-Afrique is probably characterized by a strong political relation between the French political elite and all of them and uh, the, the African uh, political elites in power. And it's, the point is to maintain this elite as long as it's possible. So basically, at the end of the day, it created leaders that last for um, for decades uh, through the French support. It's also based on a deep and historical um, economic network. So the, after the colonization, after the decolonization, sorry, the economic links uh, were kind of developed through uh, French big companies supported by the French States, and this network has been so. This network is created by Charles de Gaulle, and by one of uh, the most famous men on France Afrique is Jacques Focard. So he was basically the man who was kind of able to uh, overthrow the Ministry of French Foreign Affairs and who was directly in contact with the president to deal with everything what that was um, going on in Africa. Um, yeah, do you okay. have something to... No, so that's good. And so, so basically 
it was this very very tight network. And, and it was very much, you know, started by Charles de Gaulle, and then at the same time uh, has continued even in the post-colonial era uh, through through systems of dependency and whatnot. And one of the things about France Afrique that's so interesting is that still to this day, the Chinese have struggled much more in French Africa than they have in, say, Arabic or uh, Lusophone or English-speaking Africa. And so it just kind of goes to show that the network, the strength of the French network is still very, very strong. Cobus, when you look at, at where China has spread its investments, one of the interesting things is that West Africa is noticeably absent ex-Nigeria. That is, in the French territories for the most part, uh, they're much thinner than they are in, in places like e- the English-speaking areas. Think of Zambia. Uh, but certainly Cameroon is one of the ones that emerging, but in part that's because, and Johanna Janssen, who's been a guest on our show a couple times and is a, a fantastic researcher on the Congo and Gabon, pointed out that one of the reasons that they have been, they've had difficulties getting into that part of the world is because the French system is, is very, is, impenetrable is not the right word, but very, very complicated foreign language, which the Chinese have not necessarily mastered, uh, a legal system which the Chinese have not been able to penetrate, and deeply entrenched French companies, which make getting into these countries very, very difficult. And I guess I'm curious from your point of view, when you look at the layout of the Chinese in Africa and you see the discrepancies between the French and the, and the English or Lusophone side, uh, does that surprise you still to this day? Um, you know, obviously, one one knows about this this um, historical network, and one is you know one is also aware that um, the French army is much more active in Africa, you know, kind of than any than any other you know ex colonial army. Um, you know, so there's there's much more interventions happening. And obviously, the newest one being in Mali. Um, yeah, but don't know, forget so, but, Ivory Coast. Don't I, let's not forget uh, there's yeah, been Ivory Mali, Coast Ivory well, Coast, yeah. and Libya, which were French, yes. all French driven. Yes. So three yes. wars so, in the space. What I was, you know, kind of finding a little bit difficult to understand is, you know, to which extent it it still exists in the the form that we knew during the Cold War, because especially because Francois Hollande recently said that France Afrique is over, you know, and that, you know, that uh, apparently there is, you know, I've seen some people saying that there is moves towards reforming it and to kind of loosening the ties and so on. But then, you know, when I listen to you, it seems like it's not really that far developed yet. So, you know, kind of how, how active is it in 2013? Okay, Abigail, let's put that question to you. Well, I think I, I've watched actually not a long time ago a documentary from Al Jazeera on uh, French connection to Africa. And this was showing clearly that France Afrique was still in process and is still in process. And, uh, and I think the French influence in these countries clearly limits the space that is available for China to get into this country. But at the same time, it also locks this, lock these countries into a system where they can only have links with France and to a certain extent with Europe. Uh, but that's all. And and it's completely limited for the Chinese to have space to get into these countries. You know what I find, I guess, the, the most disheartening is, you know, the French talk a lot about, you know, particularly in Africa, development, talk a lot about democracy. There's a lot of talk about, you know, these ideas that the West tries to promote and really contrast itself from the Chinese. And again, I'm going to reiterate this. I'm not saying this in support of the Chinese. I'm saying this more in criticism of the French. Uh, but yet in Paris, 
Uh, Paris on Avenue Foch in the 16e arrondissement, the 16th arrondissement, uh, is home to any number of African dictators who have these beautiful apartments up and down the, the Avenue Foch. Uh, you know, the, the, the millions and billions of dollars of money is cashed away uh, in France and how France has been a refuge for dictators, how France for a long time supported people like Omar Bongo in, in Gabon uh, and obviously dictators in the Ivory Coast and has done French military intervention. And I guess what I get frustrated about is when we get into this conversation of the Chinese in Africa being neo-colonialists, and you see, you know, the Chinese have not launched any wars in Africa. The Chinese are still not kind of sheltering dictators. Um, you know, it just seems completely duplicitous to my point of view that the French, considering their influence to, the, to this day in Africa, uh, promote aggressively this line that they are somehow in, con- in contrast to the Chinese when, in fact, they're doing a lot of the same things. Yeah, actually, if I could just jump in there, you know, I think I have actually have numbers for this because I was reading this really interesting article on Think Africa Press from a few months ago, where they they made the point that just between the three three dictators, um, Denis Nguesso from uh, Congo Brazzaville, um, Teodoro Obiang uh, at in Equatorial Guinea, and the Bongo family in Gabon, who obviously um, Omar Bongo recently passed away a little while ago, and his son Ali Bongo is now in in, in power there. Just between those three, they own um, more than 60 luxury properties in France, and they hold more than 200 individual bank accounts. So, I mean, it's insane. It's insane. You know, kind of, I just want to scream when I see that. So I guess, Abigail, and I'm not asking you to defend the French honor here because it's indefensible, but nonetheless, <laughs> um, you know, take us into a little bit of the French mindset when it comes to Africa because I contend still to this day that the French still believe, and, and when I mean the French, I say in broader French culture, that Africa, particularly Francophone Africa, is, is still their sphere of influence. I ran into this head-on at France 24 and at Radio France International, uh, where you know any discussion of the Chinese was for the most part kind of put into a very, very condescending kind of footnote. Uh, it was not considered central to what's happening in terms of current trends. Uh, and the, for the most part, you know, there's an overemphasis on French influence to the extent of, of anything else. And again, it just kind of touches to me the fact that um, that the French still, I think, believe that there is some kind of patrimonial relationship with uh, and patriarchal relationship with Africa, at least Francophone Africa. Am I off base on that? Of course, we are proud to support African uh, African countries, African dictators, and uh, and uh, I mean, I completely I completely agree with you. Uh, France still believe that uh, French Africa is in their sphere of influence. That as as you have seen recently in Mali, that we still need to support uh, the country and the political regime that is in power. I'm not saying that in Mali uh, we, we did something wrong, or I'm just saying that the French intervention in Mali should be read at some point as um, as the France-Afrique uh, system. Um, basically, in France, if you look at newspaper, and for example, if you Google, because I've tried in French, Try in French to Google France, Afrique, Chine, and then you will see uh, that is clearly coming on the first two pages of Google that, um, well, China is a kind of dangerous competitor for, for France in uh, French Africa. This is clear. And when you 
when you look at the position of the French Agency of Development and the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, they clearly have this two view like, well, maybe uh, maybe we should cooperate with China in, Af- in French Africa. But, I mean, it's clearly a competitor that we have in front of us. And, uh, and yes, this is probably fueled by misperceptions, by the fact that probably in France we will... We miss a deep understanding of, of Chinese action and Chinese policy in Africa. Uh, but, I mean, you clearly have uh, French people thinking that uh, that China is dangerous in North Africa because it challenged our, our, our uh, sphere of influence. Yeah, it's either that they're dangerous or that they're ignorant and they're, they don't – it doesn't even come onto their radar. That was the other kind of trend that I found. Uh, was the fact that they, they're still studying Africa in a context that is independent of any outside uh, actor. But I, I do want to – you mentioned very quickly the, the series of Al Jazeera documentaries on uh, – called The French Connection. Uh, and it was absolutely fantastic. It was a three-part series on, on, on France-Afrique, on, on Francophone Africa. And, and what was interesting about it was that the, at the end – it concluded by saying, and they really focus on Omar Bongo, uh, but they, they, they conclude by saying that the rise of China in Africa presents the best opportunity for the countries within Francophone Africa to break away from the hold of France because it offers them choice. It offers them an opportunity to leverage uh, the relationship with, with China against the French. And I think in some ways, Cobus, this isn't unique to the French. This is really one of the, the, the best things about the China, the Chinese in Africa, is that it has been able to break some of these destructive holds that not only Europe and the U.S. Uh, have had, but also the international lending institutions like the IMF and the World Bank. Um, now, my assessment is that that kind of choice and that competition is good. Uh, other people are saying, well, it's only going to entrench elites because, like the French, the Chinese also like to deal with elites. What's your take on that, Kobus? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> You know, it's such a complicated question. Um, on the one hand, I think generally more choice is, is, is good, you know, kind of among other reasons because it, it, it adds more dynamism to, to the society. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, they, they do deal with elites, but I think everyone else deals with elites as well. Um, and, you know, the fact that there's, there's greater awareness among normal Africans that the elites, that their own elites, might be ignoring certain other options, you know, kind of that, that would be, you know, valuable, I think. Um, I think though that they, what, what is, what is still, what we're still waiting for is a kind of a shift in imagination towards China. You know, kind of say so there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, discussion of, of, you know, Chinese investment, but you don't really, I don't, I'm not sure whether China yet really captures the imaginations of ordinary Africans. So the reason why I'm saying that is I was at a, a very interesting workshop this week um, where one of my colleagues at WITS, she works on um, uh, Anna Schumann, um, and she, she's a postdoc at WITS, and she's, she works on Côte d'Ivoire popular music. Um, and she was looking at, the, at images in this talk. She was looking at images of Paris in Côte d'Ivoire popular music. Um, and, you know, so I asked her that, you know, I, I mentioned to her that we in the past have discussed a lot, you know, with people like Roberto Castillo um, about the, the increase of, of places like Guangzhou, you know, as, as um, targets for African immigration and whether China is starting to replace Paris in, as an imaginative place that people might want to go to make their fortunes. And she said, not really, not in West Africa. It's, it still is this fascination, the center of the world kind of situation. 
and until normal Africans, you know, not elites, but normal Africans start, you know, factoring China into their kind of the world, the way that they see the world, you know, kind of it's not going to change. Well, I mean, that, you're touching on issues of soft power here that are, you know, are going to be impossible for the Chinese. I mean, we've talked about in the English-speaking world, the Chinese are absolutely incompetent when it comes to, uh, to, to, to soft power in that context of film and art and media, uh, you know. But the, 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 it's hard to overstate the, the connection, the cultural connections between France and, 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 and Africa. Um, wouldn't you agree, Abigail, that, that the idea that you know, France, even if it loses political power and economic power in France-Afrique and Francophone Africa, cultural power will, will remain very, very strong? Yeah, I do think so. I mean, the the relation between France and Africa is also definitely based on their cultural links and what they're sharing. And uh, and if you think about the O, I think OIF, like uh, the organ- the International Organization of French Speaking Country, it's clearly for a huge example of the link between France and the rest of the world that speaks French. And uh, and yes, if France lost everything in in Africa, I think the cultural relation will remain, and China will struggle anyway to compete that. I wonder, you know, one thing that's that struck me is, uh, and I used to live in Kinshasa, and so on, and the Chinese presence in in Congo has in in DR Congo has just skyrocketed. Uh, the Chinese presence in Rwanda is is getting much stronger, and I think it's interesting that in 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 non France Afrique countries, uh, Congo being a former Belgian colony, same with Rwanda. Um, I, I wonder if if that has something to do with it. Uh, that said, the Republic of Congo, the Chinese population is growing very very quickly as well. But for the most part, the, the Chinese investment in, in 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 West Francophone Africa has been much smaller than other areas. So much so that the that the that leaders from, from Cote d'Ivoire and from some other countries have gone to China begging for investment without much luck. And I wonder if the if the France Afrique side of things is holding back these countries because of the legal systems, because of the long ties to France, because of the fact that it's just more complicated to deal in a French system, as we all know, that the Chinese have said, eh, you know, what's your thought on that, Abigail? I think that France, um, uh, even if they, if it's unconscious, completely constrained this country to uh, to shift towards China, and um, and I think the fact that they ask China for support and they ask China for coming in is clearly uh, it's a way to clearly express their willingness to shift from France to a kind of diversification of their partner. But uh, but if the answer at the same time of China is, well, we're coming, but not that much, it's also because at the end of the day, the French are going to want the contract, whatever. Uh, and, and this, I, I mean, it has been said to me clearly that even though... Um, even though France did not intend to limit China's commitment in, in, in African countries, yes, at the end of the day, the French companies won the contract. After that, you can wonder how this happened, because, uh, because Chinese are much more cheaper than French companies. So you can ask the question, why? But still, I mean, the, the Chinese... 
they, they will struggle to, to, to establish economic links with these countries. They will struggle to win contracts. And they know that in Africa, they have other countries where it's going to be much more easier. And if you think about Chinese engagement in these countries, you will also realize that they are going to be engaged in the industries that they need, for example, energy in Gabon. Energy in Gabon, timber out of Cameroon, oil in Chad. We've talked about that with CNPC and the problems that they've had in Chad. Uh, security operations in Mali. Uh, Chinese UN peacekeepers are there. Remember that China is now president of the United Nations Security Council, so they'll be making some very important decisions. Also about the Central African Republic uh, and the DR Congo, which is not France Afrique, but Francophone Africa. So. China's engagement in Francophone Africa is on the rise uh, in lots of different ways. Cobus, again, we don't think it's going to, at least the, the French side of this conversation doesn't think it's going to displace the, the, the Chinese will not displace the French in a cultural side, but certainly the door is open on the geopolitical and the economic side. Yeah, I think so. And I think also people shouldn't underestimate the kind of levels of resentment against France within Africa. Um, you know, kind of, yeah, you know, kind of, I think, I think, it's the one place on earth where France really has frequently has a very negative perception. Um, you know, because generally, obviously, France has quite positive perceptions around the world. But, uh, you know, African perceptions of France are quite complicated, and, and I think they shouldn't be underestimated. That's a very good point. So, uh, a very brief discussion on France-Afrique. It's a topic of discussion and research uh, that is not really delved into. So, if you are a master's candidate or a PhD candidate, um, I'd love to read something on this. So, I can recommend doing some research on this. You know, uh, Abigail, when you go for your PhD, I think you have a, a, a good uh, a good opportunity here to, to distinguish yourself. <laughs> Thanks, Eric. <laughs> so uh, that'll do it for yeah, this you edition. Could, you could fill a whole chapter with just Eric Olander ranting. Oh, I love it. Again, as I said, two of my favorite pastimes <laughs> in life are studying China and bashing the French. And I do it out of love. I really do it out of love. I grew up in France and I went to school there and, and I worked there. So I, I kind of have a little bit of a disclaimer, but it is fun. Uh, nonetheless, uh, it's a fascinating topic. And, and the, the intersection between the French uh, and, and the Chinese in Africa is fascinating. Also to understand French public opinion and the lack of understanding that, that most French have about about uh, the Chinese in Africa is, is equally fascinating how there is this real kind of just this longing to be back in a time when, 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 when Africa really was the, a part of France's sphere of influence. And, and I think it really hurts the French that they don't have this, uh, this control that they once had. Uh, so that's interesting as well. And then finally, I, I just want to reemphasize again the documentary series that Al Jazeera did. If you look at uh, the French connection, uh, just do France uh, and France-Afrique Al Jazeera, uh, it, it was absolutely fascinating and, and fantastic. So, Abigail, thank you so much for joining us all this week on the show. It's been fascinating to talk about Tunisia, the Mediterranean, France-Afrique. Uh, if people want to stay in touch with you after hearing you on the show, what should they do? Uh, first, I wanted to thank you for the invitation to both of us. Well, if people want to follow me, um, they can do it on Twitter. My uh, my uh, identity on yeah, Twitter your name. is <laughs> V Abigail A B A G A E L. And Cobus, uh, <laughs> you have uh, an equally perplexing name sometimes on Twitter. <laughs> Yes, my Twitter name is Stadenesk. That's S-T-A-D-E-N-E-S-Q-U-E. A very bad choice from many years ago. Nonetheless, uh, we love you, you know, despite your, your awkward Twitter name. 
and then uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Eolander. That's E-O-L-A-N-D-E-R. Also, Kobus and I are on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash China Africa Project. Uh, we're on every day, seven days a week, uh, for about 18 hours a day. Yes, it is something of an obsession. There's no doubt. My <laughs> wife does think I'm crazy for being on, tw- on Facebook so much. Um, but, uh, you know, we're there, and there's this great conversation, 125,000 followers. Uh, Abigail, do you follow us on Facebook? Yeah, of course. Okay, good. Well, and from time to time, Abigail can post, uh, and you can see her name come up there, and you can get into conversations about that. We'll try and post a little bit more on this uh, this question of uh, French, uh, French, uh, tr- French, Chinese in Africa, and uh, hopefully spark a little more conversation there as well. Uh, so until next time, we'll thank you so much for listening to another edition of the China in Africa podcast. Mm-hmm.